0: Many years ago, uh, before I became a pastor, I practiced law. Yes, I was a lawyer. And so please, uh, no lawyer jokes. Uh, Actually, you don't have to, because I'm going to give you some lawyer jokes. Here's one for you. How many lawyers does it take to put in a light bulb? None, because they'd rather keep their clients in the dark. (sighs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there's lawyers in the house. I love you, lawyers. It's all good. Okay, next one. What did the lawyer name his daughter? This is an easy one. What did the lawyer name his daughter? Sue. Yes, good job. The lawyer named his daughter Sue. Final, final, final joke. How do you get personal injury lawyers to smile for a picture? Just say fees. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was kind of lame. It was uh, in my second year of law school that I was, uh, I was looking for a job. I had to make some additional money, so decided that it was time to look, for, to look for a part-time job. So I was in the law school, and I went by the job posting board. And yes, it was an actual cork board that was on the wall with three by five cards of job postings. There was no zip recruiter or no Indeed. It was a job posting board, and I saw a part-time job at a fairly well-regarded law firm here in Grand Rapids. And so I grabbed that posting off the board. I pulled it off the board so that nobody else could see that posting. And so I took it, and I called up the firm. And I asked uh, to be interviewed. I told them I was interested in the job. And I was interviewed. And I went through the interview process. And I was hired for this part-time job. And I was so excited for this opportunity. And so I worked at this firm part-time, and after a period of time of working hard, of of trying and, I think, doing my best, they offered me a full-time job after graduation. And so after I graduated, I started with the firm, and at that point in life, I felt like, man, this world is all mine. Like, I have this awesome wife, I have a fairly newborn child, and now I have this great job, this incredible career opportunity What could possibly go wrong? Well, it was about a year later that uh, the partner who hired me walked into my office, and he informed me that uh, the firm had lost one of its largest clients. And he told me that my job was at risk. He told me that he was sorry. and We just have to kind of see how things worked themselves out. I was shocked. I was taken aback but I decided after hearing that news that I was just gonna work that much harder and I'd work so hard that they wouldn't be able to let me go. Well, it was about three months after that 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 same partner walked into my office and he let me go. He fired me. Now, when you're fired, there's a lot of emotions and feelings that go through your mind. There's a lot of things you begin to think about. And initially, I started to rationalize their decision. I began and thought to myself, well, I know, I know that they lost this large client, and it was a lot of revenue for the firm, and, uh, and, and it, there's nothing personal, nothing personal about this decision. But the more I began to think about it, the more I realized that there, there was something personal about the decision. You see, I knew the approximate revenue of the firm. And it was a lot of revenue. And so I realized that if they wanted to keep me, they could have kept me. But they didn't want to keep me. Rejection. Have you ever felt rejected? Maybe you, too, have been rejected by an employer. Or maybe by the college or university of your dreams. Or maybe you've been rejected after trying out for a musical production, maybe a play, maybe a sports team. Maybe you've been rejected because of your race or the color of your skin. Or maybe you've experienced the most painful rejection of all, rejection by a person who knows you best, a spouse, a parent, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or even just a good friend. Have you ever experienced the humiliation, the embarrassment, and the pain of being turned aside, overlooked, or cast away? It can bring us to tears. It can leave that empty feeling in our gut, It can cause our minds to to, to wander and stray and focus on the disappointment, the doubt, and the discouragements of life. Rejection is terribly hard. And whether we like it or not, every one of us face rejection in our lives. This morning, we're going to look at a text that tells us that Jesus understood the reality of rejection. And we're going to also look at three truths and a danger that help us deal with that reality. So if you would, would you take your Bibles and would you turn to Matthew chapter 13? Matthew chapter 13. It's found on page 795 in the Bible that the church provides. I'd encourage you to follow along. There's a Bible in the rack in front of you. We've seen that most of Matthew chapter 13 is focused on parables that Jesus tells us to explain the kingdom of heaven. This morning, we come to the final story at the end of the chapter. Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth. But to be clear, town is quite an overstatement. At the time of Jesus, Nazareth isn't much more than just a village. It's approximately 60 acres on the side of a hill, and it has about three to 500 residents. So it is not a booming metropolis by any means. Jesus returns to his hometown for one final visit to be with the people who were most familiar with him. If you grew up for 30 years in a town of three to 500 people, you knew everybody, and everybody knew you. Now let's look at Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did, did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. When you read this passage and when you think about this passage, how do you think Jesus felt? What was this interaction like for him? Now, when I read it, I think that this had to be a very difficult interaction. I think that Jesus actually was hurt by this interaction and probably experienced some level of pain. He comes back to his own hometown. He comes back to the people who know him best. And look what it says. It says they were amazed. They remarked at his wisdom. They remark about his miracles. Yet look at verse 57. It says they took offense at him. This means that they were put off by Jesus. It means that they were repelled to the point of abandoning him. These people rejected Jesus. Now, maybe it was because they thought he was a villager just like them, like he has a mom, he has a dad, he has brothers, and he has sisters. Maybe it was because they thought Jesus was on a power trip Maybe it was because they thought, Jesus thought that he knew more than them. Maybe it was because they didn't like what he was saying to them. Maybe they just didn't like his message. But no matter the reason, we are told that they rejected him. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody says something critical of me or something wrong or bad about me or when I experience rejection, I feel discouraged I feel hurt, I feel pain. Sometimes I even feel ashamed. You recognize, right? When you experience rejection, when somebody abandons you to the point, the feelings inside, it's pain, it's hurt. This had to hurt Jesus. Now, it's so interesting to me. In this story, we have both a testimony to Jesus's deity and to his humanity. See, theologically, we believe that Jesus has two natures. He has two natures. He has a divine nature and he has a human nature. And each nature is present in one person. You see, we believe, although it is a bit of a mystery, we believe that Jesus is both fully divine and fully human, all in the same person. This passage speaks to the deity of Jesus. Look it, it says about his incredible wisdom and his miraculous powers. The people were amazed. But this passage also confirms his humanity. He was a carpenter's son. His mother was Mary. He had brothers and he had sisters. Now, I have found, as I have observed different people, as I have observed non-Christians, I find that in non-Christians, it's difficult for them to accept Jesus' deity. That's why many people don't come to Christ, because they don't believe that Jesus is actually God. I've also found in Christians that us Christians sometimes have difficulty with the fact that Jesus is human. We sometimes don't view him as human. We don't see the fact that, yes, he has brothers and sisters, and he experiences the pain and the hurt that we experience in our lives. Jesus was rejected by those who knew him best. Which leads me to the question, why all the rejection? Because this was not the first time that Jesus was rejected and it's not going to be the last. Herod, when Jesus is born, Herod rejects Jesus. He he has all the babies killed to try to do away with Jesus. The apostle John tells us that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. We've read in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus goes into this Gentile village and he throws all the demons into pigs and he throws those pigs into the Sea of Galilee. And those villagers, even though he does away with demons, reject him. You see, Jesus faces rejection after rejection in his life. And because he faces rejection in his life, He's able to sympathize with us in our rejection. He's able to understand the rejection that you and I experience in this life. But I want to be clear with you about something. He doesn't just experience this rejection just so he can sympathize with us and just so he can understand what we are going through. You see, there is a greater purpose in which and why Jesus experiences the rejection that he experiences which leads us to our first truth this morning. Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. You see, there is one more major rejection that Jesus faced. When Jesus proclaimed from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ goes to the cross, he goes and he is crucified by Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes who have rejected him, who have sought to place him on the cross to punish him for no reason other than his proclamation of truth. And he goes to that cross and he is hung on a cross with his arms spread wide, with his hands and his feet nailed to a cross. And while he is on the cross, Jesus Christ cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you see, God had to forsake him because all of your sins and all of my sins were placed upon Jesus Christ. In order that our sin would not cause our eternal rejection by God the Father, Jesus Christ took all of our sin on himself. He bore our sin. He bore your sin and he bore my sin so that we would not have to pay the penalty of our sin. And never, Never has anyone ever been more alone than Jesus Christ was when he hung on that cross. Jesus Christ was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. A few weeks ago, I was uh, at a wedding and I was catching up with an old friend of mine. We hadn't seen each other in years. And you know those friends that you that you, when you connect with them, it just, it just goes back to right where it was when you left off years and years ago. Yep. And so we get together, and we're starting to talk, and we're laughing, and we're talking about what happened in high school, and just memories and great fun. And, we're... and into the conversation, my friend says to me, you know, it's, I've had some difficulties too. And so he goes on to share with me that it was a few years ago while his son was in his early 20s, that his son started behaving inappropriately, that he started acting unhinged. And he started saying things that were, was off the wall. And one night, it got so bad that my friend took his son to the emergency room. And at the emergency room, the doctors kind of did their due diligence and triage and started asking questions. And the doctor said to my friend, he said, I think your son has schizophrenia. And uh, he said, my son started behaving more and more erratically. And the doctors called security. And the security came in. And my friend said that this huge 300-plus pound man came in and pinned my son to the gurney, while the other orderlies strapped him down to that gurney. He said, then the doctors told me that I had to leave the room. And he says, as I'm leaving the room, my son cries out, Dad, Dad, please don't leave me. Where are you going, Dad? Please don't leave me. My friend was crying. I was crying. My friend then said to me, it was at that point, that I realized how much my heavenly father loves me. The heavenly father rejected his one and only son on that cross for you and for me. He rejected his son so that you and I can be accepted, so that our sins can be forgiven. He rejected his one and only son because he loves you and he loves me. Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. Which leads us to our second point this morning. Our second point is being accepted by God means that we will likely be rejected by others. Being accepted by God means that we will likely be rejected by others. You see, oftentimes we come to our heavenly Father and we're accepted and we think, well, out of that, all good things are gonna flow. Everything's gonna be good from here on out. But then we come to learn that not everybody is so accepting of our choice. And oftentimes being accepted by God means we're gonna be rejected by others. Look what is written, look what Jesus says in verse 57. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. In other words, a prophet is not honored by those closest to him. Jesus comes to his own town to the people who know him best. They even say in the text, they know that he has crazy wisdom and miraculous powers and they still reject him. They repel him and his message. And I think it is primarily because most people do not want to hear Jesus's message. Most people do not want to hear, repent for the kingdom of God has come. They did not want to hear Jesus say it, and when you say it or you live it, they don't want to hear you say it or you live it. So because we're accepted by God, it means we are often rejected by others. Look what Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room discourse The night before, he goes to the cross. Look what he says to them. And by the way, he is not only just saying it to them. He is saying it to you and to me this morning as his disciples. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they would obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of their sin, as it is they have seen." and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reasons. My friends, when you are accepted by God, you are often rejected by others. After I was fired from the law firm, I did a lot of soul searching. And there were a number of areas in my life that I needed to change. There were a number of areas in which I needed to grow and I needed to mature. There are things I needed to work on. But as I look back at the situation, I recognize that there was at least one partner at the firm who didn't like me for who I was. He would make comments. He'd make negative comments about the church I attend. He would make negative comments about the things I believe. He would often say to me, you are much more spiritually conservative than I am. And it was almost laughable to me because I was not that outspoken at the law firm. I felt like I just put my head down and did the work that they asked me to do. But this one partner in particular, I believe that he didn't like that I believed in Jesus, and he knew that. See, sometimes when we're accepted by God, we are rejected by others. Now, not all rejection, please hear this closely, not all rejection is because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. There are multiple other reasons for rejection in life, but that does not negate this second principle, that being accepted by God often means that we will be rejected by other people, which leads to our third point, our third truth this morning. The third truth this morning is rejection feels like an ending, but it is often a beginning. As you've experienced rejection in your life, you know what that feeling is like. You know that it feels like an ending, and that's because each one of us were designed, we were created with acceptance in mind. We were created wanting to be accepted by God the Father and wanting to be accepted by each other. It is what is true and what is noble and what is right in each one of us. We have this desire for acceptance. We have this desire to be accepted by God and accepted by other and live in relationship and that's why it hurts so much when we experience the pain of rejection and we feel like it is an ending but this truth is that rejection is yes it can be an ending but it is so often a beginning Amen. so I'd like to share with you three good things about rejection three good things about rejection now if you're in the midst of rejection right now I pray that you will be able to see these things and apply them and sense them and feel them in your soul. I pray that you will work towards that, but see and understand three good things about rejection first. The first good thing is rejection points us to a God who accepts us. Rejection points us to a God who accepts us. You see, so often in our lives, that rejection, it seems like an ending, but it gives us the opportunity to turn our focus upon God because when things are going right in our lives, who do we focus upon? Ourselves. When things are going right in our lives, I tend to think that I'm the one that made the right decisions to get me into that place. And I tend to think that I'm the one that caused all this good to be happening. But it's when the trials and when the difficulties come that I now shift my focus and turn my focus to God for comfort and for care. The rejection can be a beginning because it causes us to turn our focus to the God who accepts us. Secondly, Rejection gives us an opportunity to point other people to Jesus. Rejection gives us the opportunity to point other people to Jesus. Rejection gives you a platform to demonstrate Christ-like character. It is easy to demonstrate Christ-like character when everything's going well. Amen? Amen? If things are good, I can be like Jesus a whole lot of the day. It's when the trials and difficulties come, when the rubber hits the road, that my faith becomes a reality and I have this opportunity to show other people what it means to follow Jesus. Even for the person that rejects you, if they have the opportunity to see your response in a Christ-like manner, they will see that there is something special about Jesus Christ. For all the other people that watch you in in the midst of the rejection, they are gonna get the opportunity to see Jesus in and through you. It's the rejection that gives you the opportunity to lead other people to Jesus Christ. Without Without the rejection, you do not have the same platform. The rejection gives you the platform to proclaim Jesus. Thirdly, God uses rejection to lead and shape us. He uses rejection to lead and shape us. The rejection, the hurt, the pain, the difficulty causes us to turn to God for comfort and care. And in that turning, God shows up and he starts to mold and shape us and make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. It's the rejection that causes us to become more like Jesus. It gives us that opportunity. It also is the thing that God can use to change your plan or your trajectory or lead you further into his will. And without the rejection, you would not make the changes necessary or make the choices necessary to follow the plan that God has for you. I firmly believe, I firmly believe that had I not been fired from that law firm, I would not be standing up here today. It was that rejection and a bunch of other stuff, but it was that rejection that God used to reveal his plan and to lead me in growth in Christ-likeness to be able to be up here today to testify That although rejection often seems like an end, it is actually a beginning to something new that God has for you. Amen? Amen? Okay, now let's look at the danger quickly. There is a danger that is present in the reality of rejection. The danger this morning is that you will end up like the people of Nazareth that day. So, the key note phrase here that you want to write down is don't be like the villagers. Don't be like the villagers. Because you see, at our core, we are not all that different than them. We are prone to reject Jesus. Don't reject him. You see, if you reject him, you are not going to see the crazy wisdom and you're not going to experience the miraculous powers. Look at verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. They lost out big time because they rejected Jesus. He's amazing. He has crazy wisdom, and he has miraculous powers. And he is here this morning. He, through the Spirit of God, is in this place, and he is speaking. He is speaking to you this morning, and the danger is is that you're gonna turn your head, you're gonna put your hand up, and you're going to reject Jesus. Don't be like the villagers. You see, because for some of you this morning, you're here and you may have never been in church before. This may be your second or third time and you're trying to figure out all this Jesus stuff and you're here and God through Jesus is calling you this morning to faith. He wants you to make a decision. He wants you to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be washed white as snow and so you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you have to make a choice. You have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and you have to declare that he is going to be the Lord of your life. Do not reject him. There are some of you this morning that are here and you're followers of Jesus but you're trapped in your sin and you haven't been willing to do anything about it and you just keep living in the same perpetual sin over and over and over again and Jesus is calling you this morning, he's calling you to confession He's calling you to get right. And you're thinking, man, I don't know if I want to listen to Jesus. Confess. Confess the inordinate amount of greed. Confess the sexual immorality. Confess the gossip. Confess the slander. Confess the coveting and the idolization that exists in your life. Don't reject Jesus. He's got crazy wisdom for you and he's got miraculous powers. There's some of you that are listening to me who Jesus has been speaking for a long time. He's been talking in your ear. You've been hearing him and he's calling you to something. He's calling you to something different. He may be asking you to go to a different job. He may be asking you to move to a different school. He may be asking you to take your family and go. He's asking you something and you've been listening, but you've been putting up your hand, and you've not been following what he's had to tell you. He has crazy wisdom, and he has miraculous powers. Don't reject him. You see, what you think of as a beginning, as an ending, God has a beginning for you, and that beginning can start today if you listen to Jesus and obey what he is asking you to do. Don't be like the villagers. Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. Our acceptance by God means that we are likely to be rejected by others. Rejection often feels like an ending, but so true, it is so often a beginning. And don't be like the villagers. In closing this morning, I'd like us to do something different. We're not going to sing a last song, but we're going to do something together. So I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because as we go from this place, I would like us to make sure we have the right focus. We've been talking a lot about rejection, but we have also talked about acceptance. And I want us all leaving with the reality of God's acceptance. God the Father accepts you. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God accepts you, He loves you, He has demonstrated His mercy and his grace over and over again because he loves you. If you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's calling you this morning. He's asking you to believe so that God can accept you as well. I know that you have experienced rejection in your life. I know that the rejection has hurt, that it's caused deep pain. But God wants you to know this morning that he accepts you because he loves you. I'd like you to listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 1. who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I'd now like you to open your eyes and I'd like you to look at the screen. These are the words that are identified in that passage in Ephesians chapter one. And as you leave today, I'd like you to know in the depths of your soul that you are blessed, that you are chosen, that you are loved, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, lavished, shown grace upon grace you have a purpose. You're sealed. And you have an inheritance that is guaranteed in Christ Jesus. God loves you. He accepts you. I pray that today you will know the love of your heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have had in this place to meet with you this morning. Lord, I recognize that many in this room, most in this room, all of us in this room have dealt with rejection in our lives. Lord, I pray that through your spirit, you would help each one of us see through the rejections of this life and focus upon your acceptance of us, the love that you have demonstrated for us day after day, grace upon grace. Lord, I pray that each one of us would go from this place this morning knowing that you love us with an immeasurable love. And we pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.